A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you joined me on the program today. In just a matter of moments, we're going to be talking with my friend Stephen Gatowski, founder of the Reload and new CNN analyst. This is exciting stuff. I know that there are some gun owners who are a little concerned. I know that there are some gun control activists who are outraged by this. Uh, but I am cautiously optimistic, actually, about uh, what CNN is trying to do here. And I think it's a good thing that we have uh, reporters who actually know about the issue that they're covering uh, on our TV screen. So I'm excited to talk with Stephen about this uh, new opportunity, as well as the uh, supercharged moment for the Second Amendment that we find ourselves in. So let's get right to our conversation with Mr. Stephen Gatowski. Take a look and a listen. Stephen, thanks so much for coming to the show today. It's good seeing you. Hey, thanks for having me, Cam. Absolutely. And I've already told you this, but I'm going to tell you this on camera, too, because otherwise people might think I'm rude. But congratulations on uh, the new gig at CNN. I, I know that, you know, look, you've had some gun owners say, oh, Stephen, I can't believe you're going to CNN. You've had some gun control activists. I can't believe Stephen Katowski is going to CNN. I think this is great. Um, first of all, I I. I hope that this is a sign that, you know, the mainstream media is going to start paying attention to the viewpoints of people who are gun owners, because there are a hundred million of us around the country. Uh, and no, we're not monolithic in our thoughts, but, you know, you and I have talked about this before in the media. Not only do we have the problem of a lot of reporters who don't really understand this issue, but I think it's fair to say that we do have a dominant viewpoint in the media, and that is uh, gun control is good. Guns are at best and terrible at, at, at you know at worst, um, and so I, I'm at least hopeful that there's going to be a different perspective uh, as part of CNN's move here. What can you tell us about what CNN's goal is with this new unit? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, everything that they've said to me to this point has been very encouraging as far as their goal uh, being to inform rather than inflame in these uh, on this topic and trying to bring in. Uh, you know, more subject matter experts like myself uh, for on guns and then on, uh, you know, people in, in other areas that they're reporting on. Uh, and, and you know, they're trying to uh, incorporate a lot of different perspectives. I mean, you can see from the list of people that are going to be involved with this. It's not just me, of course. I am part of it uh, as an analyst. Uh, but there's also, you know, a reporter from The Trace. There's a reporter from The Guardian. And there's an in-house reporter who's who's going to uh, head up their their coverage on this issue. So, uh, you know, they're really taking a broad based approach. And, and I think it's encouraging that they decided to include somebody like me. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I think that's a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I, I, one of my top critiques of, of major media when it comes to gun coverage has always been less the political bias, though that certainly exists, and more the lack of knowledge. Uh, and it's always been something that I've tried to do my best to uh, alleviate to some degree by talking with other reporters uh, from every major outlet, right? New York Times, NBC News, Fox. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me who I, you know, wants insight on an issue. I do my best to explain it to them fairly and and uh, explain the perspectives of of either side involved, especially of course of gun owners, who I, I you know I am a gun owner, uh, and so I have some more insight into that that particular area than. Uh, a lot of other reporters do, but 
but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be productive, and and I think it's uh, really great that CNN is doing this. Uh, well, I do too. And like I said, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing uh, your debut as a subject matter expert. And I, I do want to focus because you mentioned something about this at the reload as well. That the whole idea here isn't to have you and the trace reporter yammering at one another and arguing at one another, right? That That's not what this is supposed to be about. And that's not what your role is supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, me, I've been on, and your audience does, I've been on the show a lot. Uh, my, my approach to this is, is from a, a reporter's point of view, from an analyst's point of view, uh, and not from an opinion host. CNN has a lot of opinion people already that are suited to that job. Some of them are really great. Mary Catherine Hamm is, is one that I personally am a big fan of. Uh, and so they have a lot of people who can do the, you know, traditional opinion debates on air. They're well covered in that area. And uh, I'm not interested, frankly, in uh, becoming one of those people. It's not my role. Uh, it's not what my career has been about. And so instead, you know, they're, they're looking for somebody who can uh, explain the current laws. They can explain how guns function, basic stuff. They can explain the political debates uh, and give, uh, you know, so, some analysis of them. And, uh, you know, I, I know that maybe, I'm sure there's some people who are, who just want to see, you know, all out uh, heated arguments uh, between the, the, myself and other, uh, the other contributors at CNN, but I, I don't expect that that's how things will go. I'm sure we will not always agree on everything, uh, but, you know, I think it'll be a respectful thing. I mean, if you can, people can go and look at some of the appearances that I made on CNN back um, a couple you know, months ago uh, when I was at the NRA annual meeting covering that. They were uh, interviews that focused on, you know, what's going on at the meeting, what's the perspective of the people there, uh, you know, what are some of the policies being discussed, that that sort of thing, like trying to inform rather than inflame. And I, I think that's that's going to be the overarching. Uh, a goal of, of this whole, you know, project. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what is to come. And, uh, you know, if you ever do need the talking head to a yammer at a gun control activist, uh, you know, my number, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to come on and be the, uh, the sparring partner. If you guys actually do want the back and forth. Um, but, but let's talk as well about, you know, I think this is also a really good time for CNN to do this. We had the Bruin decision just a couple of months ago. I've talked about this being a supercharged moment for the Second Amendment. Seems like there, as you well know, Stephen, covering this issue, seems like every day we've got new court cases, uh, as well as you know, court hearings going on. We've got uh, you know legislatures who are meeting and rushing through uh, gun control bills. When you look at the post Bruin landscape right now, are you surprised by anything that you've seen from? the states that were most impacted by the Supreme Court decision. Because, I mean, listen, if you're a constitutional carry state, if you live in a, you know, shall issue state, not much has really changed. But if you live in one of these, you know, may issue blue states now, in many cases, it seems like lawmakers are actually trying to make things even more restrictive than they were. They're, they're, they may be getting rid of the good cause requirement, but they're trying to clamp down on on where folks can exercise that right to carry and who yeah. gets a license. I mean, I've been surprised uh, in two ways in the what we've seen from the post-burn landscape. First off is what you're talking about with how s some of these states have reacted, New York, California, New Jersey, right? Uh, now, not everyone is doing this. Maryland, for instance, hasn't tried to um, pass a, a New York-style restriction on, on guns practically everywhere, um, uh, They've and they've started issuing permits under their 
while that might change after this election, um, because it looks like they probably are going to have a Democratic governor instead of the current Republican one, uh, once the once the votes are counted, we'll see. But uh, either way, it has been pretty surprising to me because I, I expected them more to go uh, the route of sort of minimization and delaying tactics, something like what you saw uh, in D.C. after the Wren decision, which was a precursor to Bruin, right? A Wren struck down D.C.'s shall, uh, may issue gun carry law uh, in much the same way that the Supreme Court struck down New York's in Bruin. And D.C., instead of appealing that to the Supreme Court because they feared they would lose, uh, which, of course, uh, ultimately did lose <laughs> in Bruin, but uh, so they they had pretty good instincts there. But, you know, they accepted the, the verdict and they went about passing the strictest possible shall issue gun carry law that uh, would that had, you know, some provisions that are being currently challenged. Uh, in court again, but on generally speaking, wasn't that far beyond what a lot of shall issue states had in place, even places like Florida, um, you know, fingerprinting and these uh, uh, public transit ban. That one's being challenged right now by Heller, um, in like his 12th lawsuit is very, very active litigant, um, but uh, and very successful. Uh, he just won another one against DC uh, over its uh, DC had a, a limit on how many magazines you could carry at a time. But anyway, um, uh, you know, I expected to see more like that where it would be shall issue, but they push the limits, test the limits of like how far they can go in restricting things, how much time is required in the training, how, you know, how many, uh, gun-free zones, how many of these combinations of place, sensitive places could you put together? But instead, they've just gone full bore into territory that seems fairly obviously uh, like something that's going to be struck down by the courts. Um, and the second area that's been surprising to me so far is how closely the lower courts to this point have actually followed the Bruin decision. You've seen a lot of decisions, um, especially from uh, criminal cases mm-hmm. where uh, even federal gun laws uh, are now being tossed out or proportions of them because of the ruling in Bruin, because of their, these judges are faithfully applying the the test, whether they like it or not. A lot of them will talk about how much they don't like the test, but they'll go through and do uh, the historical analysis required and come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, for instance, the um, the ban on uh, people under felony indictment own it, receiving firearms is not mm-hmm. constitutional, according to a district judge in Texas. You had uh, you had a, a Biden appointee and an Obama appointee in Colorado strike down the local assault weapons bans that have been passed in a couple of towns there. So you know it, it's been pretty surprising to me to see that much movement that quickly in line with what Bruin decided. I kind of expected more. Uh, more of a fight from some of the lower court judges. But uh, so those two things have, have both been pretty surprising. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the, the court decisions, because you're right, there has been, I, I think, more good decisions um, than than bad uh, coming out of the courts in the wake of the Bruin decision. The, the one that I thought was really egregious uh, and not in a good way was uh, in San Jose, yet a a judge uphold the uh, city's insurance mandate for gun owners. 
uh, basically declaring that this was a historic analog to to the surety laws that uh, right. Justice Thomas had written about in Bruin. But the difference there was, of course, you know, surety laws didn't apply to everybody, right? If you were suspected of being a nefarious person or plotting nefarious deeds, uh, they might have required you to pay a, a fee before you could exercise your right to carry. But that was the exception, not the rule, unlike San Jose, where every legal gun owner is now required to uh, carry an insurance policy or else face fines. But again, that was a lower court decision. I'm very curious to see what the Ninth Circuit does, given its uh, previous hostility towards basically any challenge to a gun control law. Um, some, of that, I, some of that's been more in line with what I expected, like the Ninth Circuit remanding these cases back down to yeah. uh, Judge Benitez, for instance. Uh, that's, that's Those are that's those delaying, delaying tactics. Really. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what you expect to happen. Right. Let's just keep this law in place as long as we possibly can, because we know that it's going to get overturned at some point. Um, and, you know, the the effort on the part of, of state lawmakers, even some local lawmakers, to, as you say, just kind of I don't even want to say pay lip service to the Bruin decision, because in some cases, you know, they'll, they'll say, all right, fine, we dropped the good cars requirement. But now you got to prove good moral character. Right now you have to prove that you're suitable so that, you know, in a lot of places we've seen. I think just sort of a, a flagrant disregard for what the court actually said. Um, maybe one of the few exceptions to that, and I wrote about this last night at Bearing Arms, Hawaii County um, had a hearing a couple of weeks ago, and they had basically proposed a, a list of sensitive places that looked a lot like New York's. And they heard an earful uh, from residents who said, this is ridiculous. This is way too broad. And to their credit, the county council member said, yeah, you know what? I, we think you're right. They went back, they reintroduced the bill yesterday, and I got to say, for the most part, it looks like they actually are acknowledging, okay, yes, there is a real right to carry. They still have a ban on uh, concealed carry, I think, in parks, uh, in playgrounds, and other places that really aren't sensitive, quote-unquote, but you know, the blanket ban on uh, uh, carrying in a church, that, that's gone away. Uh, the blanket ban or the de facto ban on uh, uh, carrying on private property, that's gone away. Um, and they're the first body of lawmakers that I've seen since Bruin that I feel like, and maybe I'm giving them a little too much credit, but I don't think so. I think that they really have tried to wrestle with, okay, how do we make sure that people can exercise this right? And I think they've gotten it pretty good. I think they're probably still going to face a legal challenge over some of the components, but they seem to really be trying to, um, if not encourage people to exercise the right to carry, at least admit that it's a right that's real. Uh, and, and, you know, should not be infringed upon. And I would I hope that maybe we're going to start to see more of that after this first wave of, uh, you know, uh, legislation and then litigation kind of, you know, rises and falls. Maybe we'll get to that point where even Democrats, even anti-gun politicians say, all right, it's not worth the fight. We, we've got to recognize the right at some point. Do you think that that am I am I being hopelessly uh, idealistic and naive here, or do you think that that's a possibility? Uh, well, one thing I think it's important to consider with Hawaii is that they are in the process right now of settling Young v. Hawaii, mm -hmm. so they just lost that case. And you know they're a smaller jurisdiction; they don't have the kind of resources to endlessly litigate these new laws like New York and California do. Uh, and so maybe they're a little bit more gun shy to put, to put, to put a, to put a uh, an ironic turn of phrase on it, but uh, about pursuing these policies that are very likely to land them back in court and 
frankly, very likely to lose. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think it's important to keep in mind about, especially the early reaction to Bruin, is there's definitely a lot of political will in places like New York and California to try and defy the Supreme Court on the Bruin decision. The people who live there, the constituents for uh, a lot of these politicians who are passing the laws are probably more than happy to uh, support what they're doing uh, because uh, they, that's how they view uh, view gun control laws. They want more of them, and they don't. They might not like the Supreme Court's decision. And so, uh, at least for now, they're willing to stick behind even what seem like futile efforts to push back against the law, especially when politicians are telling them that it's that it's totally compliant with Bruin and that it's you know it's going to be fine and. And, you know, the, they found ways to push back on what the Supreme Court's doing. Uh, even, and there haven't actually been rulings that show it's, that's not the case. I mean, there have, of course, in the early stages, like in New York, we saw much of that law get, uh, you know, in, temporarily temporarily restrained. Um, but it's been stayed. So this, the temporary restrain, restraining order has been temporarily stayed. Uh, so, you know, you're still in the very early stages of the, working through the courts on these laws that appear to you and I uh, to be unquestionably in, uh, con- you know, in direct conflict with Bruin. But uh, it, there's also just going to always be some level of political will to pass laws that challenge uh, what the court is ruled. I mean, you see this in, for instance, Philadelphia, where I'm where I'm from, where the, you know, the, the Eagles are undefeated and the Phillies are the NLCS. Um, they're constantly passing law, laws and ordinances at the city level that they know are not compliant with state law, that are illegal under state law, and they're constantly losing in court. Uh, they just, uh, Mayor Kenny up, up in Philly just passed uh, an, an ordinance about banning guns from parks and rec centers when they don't have the authority to do that. And within a week, it was yeah. blocked by the state courts there. And that's been something they've done for decades. And it's you're going to see that probably from places like New York and California to some degree uh, going forward. It's not going to it's not like Bruin just ends all of this. This fighting is that's the bottom line. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that, unfortunately. Well, listen, Stephen, again, congratulations. Uh, I want folks to know as well, though, and, I, and you've been good about letting folks know, the reload's not going anywhere. Nothing changes at the reload. You're still doing this. The the CNN gig is sort of a, a side gig, right? But but yes. your main focus is still going to be the reload. Folks can sign up for the newsletter. They can subscribe and get all of the uh, member-exclusive content. Uh, and then, of course, the podcast uh, as well, what you do every week, right? Yes, and this week we we have a very special guest named Cam Edwards who's who's coming on. We're, we're doing another one of these back to back shows, right? Uh, which I always enjoy, and I think are really good. And we're going to talk uh, about a bit of the short term uh, politics of guns on my show. So people should uh, head over there and check that out. Um, after they listen to this episode, of course. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, I'll talk to you again very soon, Steve Gatowski. As always, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, again, congratulations, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Stephen joining us on the program. Looking forward to uh, talking with him again very soon. And uh, I will also be Stephen's guest on the uh, Reload podcast this week. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I believe that's going to be coming up on Friday. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report will start there with a, a case out of Orangeburg County, South Carolina, 
where a man found guilty of armed robbery sentenced to time served and probation. That's right. Yeah. Just time served, just probation. And not a lot of time served either, I got to tell you. Um, 28-year-old Nicholas Tazi Tyler uh, pleaded guilty to armed robbery, first offense failure to stop for blue lights, as well as first offense possession of narcotics during a, a recent court term. And uh, Circuit Judge Roger Young sentenced Tyler to 10 years in prison and then immediately suspended that 10-year prison sentence, gave him two years of probation instead had yeah, just two years and was sentenced, uh, given credit, I guess, for uh, a time served, 60 days at the Orangeburg County Detention Center. And that's basically, if Mr. Tyler stays on the straight and narrow, that's all the time I'll have to serve for committing an armed robbery. Prosecutors, by the way, dismissed grand larceny valued at $10,000 or more, criminal conspiracy, possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, first offense driving under the influence, third or subsequent offense driving under suspension license, not suspended for DUI, child endangerment, child passenger restraint system, and first offense possession of one ounce or less of marijuana. Um, now, some of those charges are really worthy of uh, jail time. Mm, some of them, on the other hand, really are. Uh, and here again, now, in this case, we're not talking about a true recidivist. This was a first offender for uh, Mr. Tyler, I believe, first offender status, I believe. But still, armed robbery? 60 days in jail? Two years probation? And that's it? Seems to me like that is not the type of sentence that we want to impose if we are trying to send the message that uh, crime doesn't pay, right? Now, on to today's armed citizen story from Norfolk, Nebraska, where the Nebraska State Police says that a, a shooting last month in the town of Oakland uh, was self-defense. Frankly, I'm kind of wondering why it took so long to figure this out. This was back on September 27th, so really, I guess not too long. Well, three weeks, I guess. Uh, when officers were called out to the uh, 300 block of North Oakland Avenue in Oakland, Nebraska, uh, on the evening of September 27th, Officers found 32-year-old Ryan Schumann uh, with a gunshot wound. He was transported to a local hospital where he passed away. The Nebraska State Patrol investigated, uh, as requested by the Burt County attorney, and the investigation indicates that Schumann had attempted to block a man and a woman from leaving an apartment. And then he attacked the woman, striking her repeatedly, before he was shot one time by the male, who then left the apartment with the female, and called 911 for help. The uh, man made a claim of self-defense. The woman was treated for injuries at the scene. Uh, the Nebraska State Patrol says after consultation with the county attorney, all evidence and statements supported the claim of self-defense. Uh, no arrests have been made, however, even for the, uh, well, I guess no arrests have been made because the uh, suspect in this case, the one who was shot, actually passed away from his injuries. So no charges are pending. Case closed. And again, in uh, Oakland, Nebraska, a defensive gun use that potentially saved two lives. Finally, today, our good deed of the day, speaking of saving lives in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a passerby in uh, Forest Hills, Pennsylvania, this is uh, near Pittsburgh, this was Wednesday morning, uh, Kenny Frary, or Ferry rather, was uh, just driving down the road when he saw a, a school bus, actually heard the school bus, heard the big boom as it crashed into a steel pole. He said, when he looked over, you couldn't believe that anything or anybody was left. He said, I saw the windshield, the front hood assembly, the front axle just rolling down the street, this big plume of smoke, and it was a school bus. So Kenny Ferry stopped what he was doing, pulled into a nearby parking lot, ran over 
uh, to the bus. At this point, didn't know if there were kids inside, uh, but he did see the bus driver. He said uh, laying in his seat, he said he had a large gash over his head. Blood was running down his face. So Kenny Ferry actually took his sweatshirt off, wrapped it around the driver's head, and then talked to him until paramedics arrived. He said, are you empty? And the bus driver said, yeah, I'm empty. He kept saying, I'm empty. There were no kids. He said, you could see. it was The bus was split like a banana, Ferry said. Thankfully, the driver had dropped off the uh, Pittsburgh Public School students before the crash took place. It took about 30 minutes for first responders to extricate the driver from the wreckage before medics were able to take him to the hospital. At last report, he was listed as stable. Kenny Ferry said uh, at that point he was just watching and hoping for the best. He said he was doing okay. We were talking. He said, I knew how bad it was, but I wasn't going to let him know. Kenny Ferry says he's hoping that he can have coffee with the uh, bus driver once he's released from the hospital. And again, thankfully, Kenny Ferry was there um, because it did take some time for uh, help to arrive. And who knows how much worse things could have gotten for that bus driver uh, had Ferry not been there to apply you know, pressure to help stop the bleeding. And I would say almost as importantly, just to be there, just to talk to that guy. So he wasn't alone. Trapped in that wreckage, uh, wondering if that was how he was going to die. Kenny Ferry, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing for a complete stranger. And Kenny, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that's all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Hope you have a great weekend. I know it's only Thursday, but, uh, you know, we don't do a show on Fridays here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. But we do update the website, not only on Friday, but all weekend long. So I would encourage you to check out BarryandArms.com over the next few days until we talk again on Monday for Cam and Company. We'll get you caught up on the website with all the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And if you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do at Barry and Arms, but as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content, new stories, analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support really does matter. And it really does make a difference. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.